to New Zealand Vegan Podcast, episode 75. This is part two of the interview with Gary Francione. I hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. You wanted to talk about single-issue campaigns? Yes, I would like to talk about um, them uh, with relation to you wrote a blog essay. You wrote a couple of really interesting blog essays, your last couple of blog essays. Um, one was addressing the um, the plant issue, which, <laughs> again, <laughs> keeps popping up. And the other one was an analogy that you used um, because people are still very sort of uh, – they're still he- they're still very confused in, in about the whole single-issue campaign um, problem like why can't we do it we, we must do it it's it's a good thing to do and, and you're trying to get them to understand it with this great analogy that you wrote um, can you just tell me like what spurred you on to come up with that um, that blog essay and what what has the reaction been to it has it made any progress because <laughs> I've been trying I've gotten to an enormous, I've gotten it you're talking about the blog essay why veganism must be the baseline and which I wrote, I wrote last week, and uh, I've gotten a tremendous response to it. Uh, there, not only has it been uh, circulating all over the place, but I've gotten quite a bit of email response to it. Um, the 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 thing that spurred me on to write it was earlier this month on March eighth, uh, I I debated a vivisector at Rutgers, uh, Professor Dario Ringach from the University of California at Los Angeles, uh, who has uh, done primate research in the past and who supports animal experimentation. He came to Rutgers and we debated animal experimentation. And the topic of the presentation, the topic of the debate was animals and research, a moral justification question mark or so- something like that. I mean, that was the basic. Uh, and it was specifically medical research. It wasn't you weren't yeah, 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 yeah. cosmetic testing. Or- no, 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 no. We ta- we were talking about and the, you know the, the the paradigmatic. I mean, he we, we were debating the paradigmatic situation of using animals in basic and applied research, uh, where the people who are doing it uh, believe that this is really important and indeed necessary for human health. And so we were having this debate, and 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 I had actually Elizabeth, I had actually. Uh, created a a PowerPoint presentation on vivisection uh, the weekend before that I was going to do and and I had it there sitting there on on my on my laptop uh, on the desk with me and and uh, Professor Ringach spoke spoke first and he got up and he 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 also had a PowerPoint presentation and he talked about the importance of vivisection and how essential it was for human health and you know he talked about the history of it and how you know and basically how important it was and I was looking at the audience and there were several hundred people showed up the, the, we, we got many more people than I thought we would get particularly at that time uh, you know it was in the, it was in the evening and and I didn't know really how many people would would come out and we had uh, we had people standing literally standing in the aisle of the of the room that we were in and um, and I was looking out at them and I thought you know most of these people are probably not vegans I mean I knew very few of them and the, the few that I actually knew there were not vegans so I, I thought well you know the, the, it's a good it's a good guess that most of these people aren't vegans and so um, here he's explaining to them that you know this this use is necessary and therefore it's morally justifiable etc and and I thought you know if you've got a bunch of people sitting there thinking that it's all right to inflict suffering and death on animals because they taste good and where there's no necessity whatsoever, then um, why aren't they going to think that it's okay to use them in situations in which they believe, wrongly in my view, but where they believe that necessity is uh, uh, an issue? And so um, when it came my turn to turn to speak, I said, well, I, I had this PowerPoint presentation that I was going to do for you all, but that I'm not going to do because I'm going to give you a, a different presentation and one which I've just basically formulated while I've been sitting here uh, listening to Professor Ringach speak. And it, it occurs to me, you aren't vegans. You can't possibly understand. If you believe that it's all right to inflict suffering and death on an animal where you don't, where it's not necessary for you to do so and where the only consequence that you get is pleasure from eating the animal and you know, your arteries lined with you know, gunk, gunk, then you're certainly going to think if it's necessary to kill more animals to get the gunk out of your arteries, you're going to think it's perfectly fine because 
you thought it was fine to kill the animal in the first place when there was no reason. And I said, so therefore, I said, what I need to talk with you about first, before I get to the vivisection, I need to discuss the whole animal ethics with you, issue with you first. And I need to get you focused on the fact that um, we think very, very unclearly. We engage in moral schizophrenia when we talk, when we think about animals and our, and, and our moral obligations to animals, because it's only in that context you're going to be able to understand why I think vivisection doesn't make any sense and why it can't be morally justified. And 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 so I proceeded to to to, to really basically um, create my talk as I stood there because I didn't <laughs> the, the, one, the one I had the one I had prepared was not the one I gave and so um, and I pointed out that I thought that there was a lot to say about about Ringotch's position that animal experimentation was necessary because I you know I think I think that that is I mean putting aside the moral question I think that that is a very complicated question I mean one of the things I try to point out was look we live in a world of limited resources so you know let's let's take a problem let's take the problem of HIV um yeah you know there are people who believe that you need to do animal experiments to find you know is, is, uh, uh, information of use about HIV. The reality is using animals in vivo tests, using an, an, animal experimentation has taught us actually very, very little about HIV. Uh, human testing, uh, tests in human volunteers of which there are no no scarcity. Um, those the, the human testing has gotten us some some interesting information, but not the animal testing. But the bottom line is we live in a world of limited resources. All right, you got the problem of HIV. You want to reduce the number of new HIV cases. If you take the money, if you put that into safe sex education and into condom distribution and into needle distribution, you're going to cut down the number of new HIV cases dramatically. But that's not politically acceptable, not in the United States. You can't talk about safe sex. You can't talk about, you know, because, because, of, because of our crazy moral standards here. You can't do that sort of thing. So what you do is you take the money that you could put into those programs, which are not politically acceptable, you, and you put it into animal experimentation instead, and you get nothing. So, I mean, this idea that, well, you know, animal experimentation is like so essential. The answer is, look, we live in a world of limited resources, and we have all sorts of health problems, and, and there are different ways of solving, solving health problems. You know, when, when you realize that there's an industry um, you know where workers are being exposed to something, and you don't really understand what they're being exposed to, but you know that people in a particular area are getting sick a lot. You have two choices: you can put a lot of animals in cages and do testing for umpteen years, or you can close down those industries. You don't know exactly why these people are getting sick, but you know that they're getting sick. But the latter is not acceptable as an economic matter and as a political matter. So what we do is, you know, we say, well, let's put animals in cages and do testing. And so there, are th th this whole thing, you know, putting aside whether or not you can morally justified from the standpoint of animal ethics, there are all sorts of complicated questions about the necessity uh, of it when you look at just some of these other questions about the allocation of resources and how we decide to solve problems and what's politically acceptable and what's not politically acceptable. But I decided to write the essay because it really sort of hit me that you know whenever you're standing up and you're talking about vivisection, it's like standing up in front of a bunch of people. And the analogy I use in the in the essay on the website abolitionistapproach.com is is you know you've got a group of people who believe that driving cars for reasons of pleasure is just fine, and then you're saying to them, well, you shouldn't use the car to drive to the emergency department to get medical care, and they're going to look at you like you're nuts if you were to make such an argument because it makes no sense to them. If you think it's all right to drive cars for pleasure where there's no purpose, then if you think there's a perfect purpose, wrongly in my view, I think vivisection is not good for. I don't think. I mean, I think it's actually counterproductive for human health. I think it pushes us in the wrong direction and it defines problems in the wrong way and it tries to solve problems in the wrong way. So I think it's counterproductive for human health. And I think there's lots of empirical evidence, uh, you know, that 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 which indicates that reliance on animal models has been counterproductive for human health. But the point is, most people in the public believe that animal experimentation or some animal experimentation is necessary for human health. So if they believe that, if they believe it's necessary and they think it's also all right to kill animals and use animals for reasons of pleasure, well, then they would have to be out of their minds not to say it's all right to use animals if, they, if there's a good reason. If they believe there's a good reason, why would they have a moral objection to it when they don't have a moral objection to using animals for pleasure? And, and so I just wanted to, you know, I mean, I've been, I've been, just, I've been arguing for years why I think single issue campaigns are a bad idea. Um, and, and uh, you know, I just thought this, this sort of analogy struck me as being sort of an analogy that a lot of people could understand 
understand um, uh, uh, very easily, you know, the idea of, you know, sort of going to the classic car enthusiast and saying, hey, you know, you ought not to use your car to drive uh, to the emergency department. The person would think you were nuts. Similarly, if you said, well, you know, you believe it's all right to drive anywhere, right? You believe it's all right to drive to the park and to the shopping center and just in the country for pleasure. And the, the car enthusiast says, yes, I do. Well, I think driving in the country for pleasure is morally wrong. Well, the person would look at you and say, well, that's entirely arbitrary. What the hell's the difference between driving in the country and driving to the shopping center when I don't really have any reason except to sort of walk around the mall or driving, you know, to the, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, it's arbitrary. Again, that's the analogy there is is if people think it's all right to exploit animals for pleasure uh, and they think it's all right to wear animals when they don't need to wear animals and you say fur is bad. Well, that's arbitrary. What the hell's the difference between fur and wool and leather and silk? And the answer is there isn't a difference. It's just, you know, what's the difference between, between baby seals and other animals that are used for fur? And the answer is there isn't, except baby seals are like irresistibly cute. And it's easy to fundraise off of them because you can send out. And it's easily people. filmed. And it's easily filmed because it's done out in the open and you can't right. put a wall around it. It's easily filmed and it's stark. You've got white, you've got white ice flows, you've got yeah. blood all over the place, and you've got these little adorable creatures with these little white heads and these little cold black eyes and these little cold black noses and yeah. stuff, and they're really, really cute. And, but, the, but the reality is what the hell is the difference between that and other forms of fur? What's the difference between fur and wool? What's the difference between wool and leather? What's the, it's all a problem, and that's why. Single-issue campaigns can't work, and it's interesting because at the event on March 8th, uh, the debate about vivisection, I had a number of people, uh, including people who identified themselves as graduate students in biomedical sciences uh, and people who do animal experimentation, who said, you know, I've never really – heard it explained this way before uh, and and um, you know and, and I don't agree with you but you've got me thinking the other interesting thing that was interesting was we had a lot of a lot of uh, vegan food there and not one grain as a matter of fact Anna and I had to get uh, pretzels from the vending machine <laughs> there was nothing left there was like nothing left because everybody ate the vegan food and and um, so you know but I do I really do think that you know that and that's why I have to tell you you know if you look at the history of the animal movement in Britain and in the United States and anywhere else actually for the past several hundred years it is focused largely on vivisection has it been successful the answer is no uh, we're using more animals now in vivisection than we've ever used before, and it's going up. I mean, the number of animals being used in vivisection is going up, even though, interestingly, even though they have developed a number of alternatives to animal experiments, which are actually more reliable than animal experiments. Are it's like voodoo science. It's like it's 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 it is so it's such an unscientific way of getting data that um and and and, and I think a number of people realize this and and as a result in the past you know 20 years the, a number of alternatives have been developed mathematical mo- modeling has been developed there have been a, there's been a lot of work by statisticians about uh, about about sample sizes and, and population sizes that has resulted in uh, decrease of the number of animals used. But even with the development of alternatives, even with mathematical modeling, even with statistical sharpening, the number of animals has gone up, uh, largely as a result of stem cell research and, and other sort of you know uh, gene you know gene related research and stuff uh, and all of the research that people are doing so that they can sort of figure out ways of replacing organs so that we can all live to be 500 years old. Um, and so, you know, th- that sort of research is resulting in a huge increase in the number of animals used. And and so, uh, the, but the bottom line is vivisection is still with us and it's going to continue to be with us because, I mean, and, and the idea that, well, you know, we're going to get people, we're going to get people to object to vivisection, not on moral grounds, but because, you know, they think it's scientifically unsound. And the answer is it is scientifically unsound, but the reality is that the 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 pharmaceutical companies and the biomedical people have much more access to 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 media uh, and and they tell us this propaganda, which is why you know which is why people continue to sort of eat crap that is killing them um, and and you know the other day i was I was on the New Jersey turnpike and and I, I stopped into one of the the, the new you know the, the turnpike stops and and Anna and I walked in and and we, we were just watching these people because you know they have all these these you know they have like all these burger and chicken and other places pizza places all in the same area you know so you have like people sitting there and we were just looking at what people were eating and and I said 
how does the human body tolerate that stuff without sort of just giving it? Which is why, of course, you know, uh, most of them are like horribly obese or certainly overweight. Um, and, and um, you know, but, but, but uh, so, so even though, you know, uh, a lot of, there's a lot of information out there that people shouldn't be eating this stuff for health reasons, they're still doing it. So, so you know, the, the, obviously the, 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 the media that is pro eating crap is more pervasive and ubiquitous than than the health media although you know there are inroads being made i think more and more people are realizing that animal products are unhealthy for them but the bottom line is we're never going to win it on the health issue and then and i i and i find it very funny when people say we're going to get people to oppose vivisection because it's a waste of money. Do I think vivisection is a waste of money? Duh. Of course I think it's a waste of money. It's a terrible waste of money. But the reality is, look at the world. We're involved in 16 million wars. We waste money in all, we waste huge amounts of money for all sorts of idiotic purposes. Do you really think you're going to get like a huge political coalition that's going to demand the end of vivisection on financial ground for financial reasons? The answer is Come on, you're fantasizing. That's crazy. And, 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 and it's the reason why vivisection, can, is, can, even though it has been the focus of the animal movement in Britain and the United States for 200 years, why it's going, why that campaign is going nowhere is that it, it, it's got nowhere to go. Because as long as people, as long as people, you might get somebody to sign your petition and say, you know, I don't agree with this experiment or, or whatever. But you're never going to have a political, a politically effective force that is going to stop the funding of vivisection as long as the people that you're addressing the argument to are people who eat animal products. You're never going to get a, 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 a politically significant coalition to oppose hunting as an institutional matter as long as the people who you're addressing these arguments to are people who eat animal products because – they they realize you know you might you might get them again to sign your petition about a particular hunt or something but are you really going to get them to become sustained campaigners people who are willing to do political organizing and the sorts of you know the 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 the, the sorts of outreach and that's necessary to really create a political uh, uh basis for restricting or prohibiting these activities are you really going to get people who eat animals to 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 be effective campaigners against hunting and the answer is no of course not and and you know are you really going to get i mean you know i i i um i make mention in one of the um in the the essay i talk about a, a woman that i talked to who said you know for years i was involved in the seal camp i kept on giving money to all these organizations uh you know that went after the seal seal clubbing and then it occurred to me one day gee you know if i was going to be consistent um, I would also oppose wool and leather and, and, you know, really nobody's telling me that I should do that. Um, and so, you know, if wool and leather are okay and if fur from other animals is okay, why isn't, you know, why is the seal, you know, seal kill bad? And so now, you know, basically I don't give money to that anymore. I give it to some other cause. And the answer is, yeah, I understand that exactly. You know, and, 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 you know, if you're, if you, you can't make it this thing again, you know, you take the longest single Single issue campaign. I mean, apart from vivisection, the most long-running single issue campaign has been the anti-fur campaign. Is the anti-fur campaign working? No. Um, the fur, fur industry is stronger than it's ever been, and before the recession, it was like gangbusters. And so, so I mean, you know, furs. I mean, you know, I remember when I first got involved in this this thing some decades ago. Um, you know, uh, there was a period of time in the eighties. Um, and even in the early nineties where, you know, if you were in London and you were wearing fur, you had to worry that people were going to come up to you and, you know, and, and, and yell at you, whatever, you know, and, and, um, but you, you were, that you were going to be a, 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 an object of, of, uh, of criticism if you were wearing fur in London in, you know, in 1991 or whatever. Um, now you go to London, it's all over the place. You know, you go to New York, it's all over the place. You go, it's all I mean, over the place in New Zealand, too. And, in fact, um, possums, uh, which were introduced to New Zealand by humans, of course, and are causing um, their, because we brought them here, there's problems with what, what they are doing to our forests and things. Yeah. It's politically correct to wear possum. I mean, it's it's like you're an eco you're an environmentalist, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. And you know, and you being in New Zealand, you know, you're in a better position. You know, I mean, I, I, it, it, the the. The the ignorance about the production of wool is is 
it, it, it runs very deep. And, and again, it's a failure of the animal. I mean, I hate to call it the animal movement because a movement implies the idea that something goes forward. And as far as I can tell, the only direction the animal movement goes is the only gear it has is reverse. And and um, that's a, that, that's actually a, a good way of putting it. The, the, the one gear that the animal movement has is reverse. And I think that... Um, that you know, if you look, you know, the animal movement has done very, very little to really educate people about wool, and I'm sure that, that that's quite deliberate because everybody wears wool, and the animal people just don't want to sort of deal with the wool issue because that is like dealing with the vegan issue. It's much better to talk about little cute fur fur seals with their little black eyes and their little button noses and stuff like that. It's just much, much better to do well, that. Well, people eat sheep. People don't eat seals, do they? Unless you're the Inuit. Exactly, exactly. And and you know, it's really interesting to me that um, the number of the number I've, of people I've ever met in my life who know what mule sing is 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 a tiny fr- and the only people who really know what it is are people from Australia and New Zealand not even all that all of them know what it is no, no, for, no, those, for those of you yeah. for those of you who are listening to this not in New Zealand or Australia mule sing is I mean, what happens is sh- flies will lay eggs around the anus of of a sheep so in order and then then the the the, the eggs hatch and their maggots create um, all sorts of problems with you know an infection in the in that area of the sheep so what what sheep what wool wolf farmers do is they engage in a process called mule sing where they actually they take a knife and they rip off they they just cut off the skin around the anus of the sheep and and um and the, you know and, and so they have this huge sort of bloody circle around their around their anus which keeps the you know it scars over and then the flies have nothing to lay their eggs in because the eggs would just drop off so the flies you know the flies can't can't do that to the extent that they do the eggs will drop off and so um so, so you know, so because the, the flies are attracted to the anus because of the you know because it's the anus and that's where that where there's defecation. But, but, but so so you know people don't understand that 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 shearing sheep results in injuring the sheep. That it scares the hell out of them. That it cuts them. That it causes them. I mean, it's it's that the, the shearing process itself results in a lot of suffering. And that all of these animals they don't die of old age. They eventually are slaughtered. And and you know and, and I love it when people say to me, "Well, I'm wearing wool, but this is not from an animal." that you know that has been slaughtered and i say really did you like did you like you 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 check that on the label that this was a this was like from someone's pet or something uh because how do you know because you know the animals when they're taken to the when when they're shorn the last time they're then slaughtered after that they don't segregate the wool and say this is the wool from the animals that are going to be killed in two years and this is the animal this is the wool from the animals that are going to be killed now it's all put together there's no way you can segregate it and so like there's all you know i mean it's 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 crazy but people People think, oh, well, you know, the sheep are sort of hanging around and they're really happy to be, you know, have the wool taken off because they get hot. And they, I mean, well, I get- yeah, people also get confused about the fact that there's our sheep that have been bred by us because right. we've learned how to breed um, these, this situation where they have unbelievably excessive amounts of wool. And um, we've created that with our selective breeding, and so they, they justify the use and say, "Well, we've—it's like the possums. Well, we we brought the possums here, and the possums are causing havoc. So now it's our job to clean up the mess. And the way to clean up the mess is to mass slaughter them and use them and use their fur. And then we're doing the right thing. And it's this entire comes, as you say, always comes back to our confused thinking about about other beings on the earth and and our confused thinking about our supposed superiority that justifies it all and it doesn't help when the leading animal people agree with that <laughs> yeah so no, no, no. i i mean i i it's it's crazy and that's why single issue campaigns don't work because they can't work they have the effect of making it seem as if certain forms of exploitation are worse than others or conversely that certain other forms of exploitation are okay and i think that they are i think that 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 um uh, single issue campaigns are ill conceived. They don't work. They can't work. And I, I think that the, the the example of the 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 pleasure drivers being told they shouldn't drive when there's arguably necessity there, or they shouldn't drive to one destination, but it's all right for them to drive to other destinations. Really, sort of. I think the analogy holds perfectly. It explains why. The single-issue campaign can't work. And as I always say to advocates, look, I would not spend time doing single-issue campaigns. To the extent that you do, then it is imperative that you make your single-issue campaign include veganism. 
Um, so if you have, again, I don't, I think these things are problematic for lots of different reasons. Um, you know, but to the extent that you have a, a, um, a single issue campaign to the extent that you don't incorporate veganism as an explicit part of it, you're really creating confusion and you're not solving a problem. And so, you know, and, 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 and I really do think that's why I mean, single issue campaigns have been the product primary modus operandi of animal organizations throughout the entire 20th century. And, and I mean, there, the, the, the whole sort of institutional situation with these animal groups changed dramatically from the 19th century to the 20th century. It was different in England than in, in the United States. But the bottom line is the single issue campaign, whether it's vivisection or whether it's fur or whether it's whatever the hell it is, has been the primary way that organizations communicate to the public. And, and I think, again, we've got to go back to um, you know, creative, nonviolent vegan education and, and, and you know, really sort of mass educating people about just saying no. Um, you know, Gandhi said, Gandhi said the best way to sort of deal with things, uh, to deal with, 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 with something you think is morally objectionable is to not participate in it, to just say no. Well, veganism is just saying no. And what we need is millions of people to just say no. And then we'll see social change. Then we'll see social change. Exactly. I agree. And I also want to add about the single issue campaigns that from what I've seen, they foster a lot of hate and intolerance because you have the people um, who um, wear wool and leather, but who perhaps couldn't afford to wear fur or I don't know. They hate on people who wear fur who are another demographic maybe. And then you have the people in New Zealand and Australia hating on the Japanese people for whaling. Whereas we have, you know, if you want to talk about what we are doing to these animals and it fosters this intolerance and hate and how is that ever going to change anything anyway? And um, it's just difference in culture. I mean, you know, um, but it's just, that's another thing I don't like about them is they foster this intolerance. And then you have people, like I know people who, who I've had arguments with people that one of my coworkers who was like, you know, how when I posted something about Sea Shepherd saying, you know, if they promoted veganism, you know, non-veganism, fishing kills more whales than the Jap, you know, ten Japanese fleets put together, whatever. And then and this person is not vegan, and they were just so like, how can you even raise one little tiny word against Sea Shepherd? They're doing all this good, and the, the whales, and da 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 da. And this is because this is something that this person can get behind. This person doesn't eat whales. This person doesn't wear whale skin. So this person can feel good and and self-righteous and and on the side of animals, you know, because um, this. person person uh, doesn't do that what those barbaric Japanese do, you know, it's just, well, but that's, that's what the, the single issue campaign is intended in many ways to do exactly that. I mean, it's intended, it's, it's intended to, as I said, it's intended to make certain forms of exploitation worse than other forms of exploitation. And, 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 and conversely, those other forms of exploitation are either regarded as morally tolerable or even, you know, morally neutral or, or morally desirable. So when, you know, so when you say, well, you know, the Japanese are eating these wells are really terrible people. Um, um, you know, you're suggesting that eating whales or, or whatever, uh, you know, or killing marine mammals is somehow different from killing other animals, and and it's worse than killing other animals. And then this allows the people who are who are participating in or supporting the killing of the other animals to be angry with the people who are killing the special animals. Um, and and you know, this is this is what all, but all of these single issue campaigns work exactly the same way. You know, I mean, it, it's you know, it's okay to hate. Uh, or in some case, you know, I mean, it's it's okay to hate some group of people, um, even though you're you're participating in the exploitation. You're participating in the exploitation of animals. It's all right for you to hate people who are participating in some other form of exploitation that you don't participate Especially in. Especially if and, they're a different culture and their eyes look exactly. different and they're these – I mean the, a lot of it feeds into already existing prejudice, which is why I love that you as a, as a philosopher have – tied in, um, you know, um, the, or in a, in a very clear way that I can understand in a very public way. So, you know, if other people have done it, that's great. But I've, I've, well, I learned it from you about all discrimination being, um, tied together and, you know, hate does not breed tolerance and, you know, violence begets violence, you know, so that, that's another thing I don't like about these. And, you know, there were some terrible things said about the earthquake and the tsunami in Japan. Oh yeah. Yeah. A horrible, horrible, absolutely okay, horrible. So it, it comes from the 
these pre-existing prejudice and there's no you know it's the wrong thing to do to feed into that to try to you know that's to, to, to supposedly try to do some good um, it doesn't do any good it actually goes backwards that's what people don't understand what what it does go backwards you know look at the big picture if you want to help the big picture veganism promote veganism be vegan it's very simple it's really very simple. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and we can have discussions some other time about what vegan means because, you know, that's that's because there are a lot of folks who, who think that vegan, the word vegan should basically be synonymous with, you know, everything we think is uh, obligatory towards non-human animals and, 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 and everybody else. And I, I, you know, my view is, is that, look, you know, racism, sexism, heterosexism, and speciesism are all forms of violence. I'm opposed to them all because I'm opposed to violence. And, and, um, I'm opposed to speciesism, uh, and I'm a vegan because I'm opposed to violence. It's not that, it's not that being a vegan, uh, you know, you can be somebody who doesn't eat or wear animals, but still be a very hateful person. And so, you know, and I, I run into, you know, a lot of them out there, actually, and and so um, uh, the fact that the fact that somebody you know can can be a vegan but yet be a, a really hateful person doesn't. I mean, I wouldn't say about that person. Well, that person's not a vegan because that person is a racist. I would say that that there's a vegan there who doesn't understand that um, you know that veganism is 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 a commitment to nonviolence. And so, why is the person making a commitment to nonviolence in the context of animals, but not in the in the context of humans? And then that makes me wonder whether or not the person is misanthropic. And mm. there's a lot. Of, unfortunately, there's a lot of that in there in is. the backwards. In the in the in the movement in which reverse is the only gear, there's a lot of that. Um, I know, and, mis- and I and I know. understand. I mean, when I first um, was woke, woke up to you know what we do, I I was not only misanthropic, or well, I was self-hating. You know, I hated the fact that I was human. I felt so guilty, and um, I was on the subway um, and. You know, I was looking around and seeing all the leather shoes because I I saw a film that covered all, not just fur and stuff. And I was looking at all these people and I felt like I was surrounded by monsters. And I used to think I suddenly, it's like I suddenly saw everybody as a monster. And then, and, yeah. I, and I went through this terrible period. So uh, when I when I encounter that, especially somebody who's just seen some horrible footage or who's just heard about some horrible things or something, I do try to work with them on it um, and get them to see that it's it's not only counterproductive but that it's wrong. Because what were you doing a year ago before you you know saw that stuff? I mean, sure. You know, sure. so. It's, it's and, and you know, and, and I I agree I agree with you completely, and I just wish people were you know I mean I mean the idea is not to hate other people or judge other people. Well, and actually, some some people are fostering that, which I find really terribly wrong. Oh yeah, that's I agree. what and, I find. And, and yeah. One of the things I tried to do in in the animal rights debate was right up front in the book to say, look, I disagree with a lot of these animal advocates. I disagree with them. That doesn't mean I think that they're bad people, because you know I do think it's complicated. I mean I I think. I think the idea that um, some people have that the, the people who work at these organizations are, you know, that they, they know they're doing wrong by promoting animal welfare reform, but they're doing it anyway just to make money. Are there people like that? Yeah, I suppose there are. But I think it's a lot more complicated than that. I mean, I think people talk themselves into things. And I think that, you know, so I think that there are a lot of these, a lot of these new welfareist people um, are, are, are probably um, – sincere and they really think that they're doing something good because they've talked themselves into it. Um, I mean, you know, this is, this is unfortunately, this is, this is one of the really uh, negative consequences of having the big brains that we have is that we are capable of coming up with all sorts of justifications for just about everything. And if you look at the history of humankind, if you look at the history of humankind, um, whatever people were trying to, whatever group of, 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 People were trying to demonize at the point, whether you know whether it's Saddam Hussein or now Gaddafi, um, you know whoever we're trying to demonize, we call it evil, um, and and um, and I think it's important to realize that you know that people have their own perspectives, and and that you know they've talked themselves into things. So you know, I mean, obviously, you know, Gaddafi does all sorts of things that I I don't like, uh, that you don't like, and that a lot of people don't like. But I'm sure he doesn't sort of think of himself as an evil. I'm sure he's not sort of rubbing his hands together saying, gee, isn't it fun being evil? I'm sure that he's talked himself into um, some 
crazy, you know, some, I mean, I'm sure right now he's, you know, he really believes that there is, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, he's saying a lot of crazy things. My guess is the frightening thing is he probably believes a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's true that a lot of these welfareists, I mean, and, you know, in Ro- the book with Robert is a really good, a good example. example. I, mean, Robert, yeah. I know Robert very well. He's a very sincere guy. Um, he's a very, you know, he's a nice guy. He's a sincere guy. And yet he says these things and, you know, these things that get, you know, that, that you say, gee, you know, it took, took my breath away when I read this or I really couldn't disagree with it more, et cetera. And, but, you know, Robert's not sitting there saying, gee, you know, I'm a speciesist, um, and I, I, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, and I, I'm just a welfareist, you know, sock puppet. He, you know, he really believes, I think, on some level that 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 um, that animal uh, animals don't have an interest in being used. So using them per se does not present a problem. I'm sure Singer believes this, um, and I'm sure that as a result, as a result, they think that the the, the 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 that the primary issue for them is how do you make treatment better if you think use is okay. My argument is no use is okay. So therefore, the treatment issue becomes a secondary issue. But but you know, I mean, I think I have the stronger arguments. No one's rebutted them. I mean, I think I've got the stronger arguments, but but do I think he's sincere? The answer is yeah, sure. And so, you know, do I think that these people at HSUS or the RSPCA or PETA or whatever, I mean, you know, I'm sure on some level, you know, the, the PETA people think that the sexism, this relentless juvenile, you know, sexism that they constantly peddle, I'm sure that they believe that it, it does something to raise consciousness about animals. I don't think it does any raise consciousness about animals at all. If anything, I think what it does is it just reinforces the whole idea of commodification, which is exactly exactly the problem that we're trying to deal with when we deal with animal exploitation. So, I mean, I, but do I think that, you know, that these people, you know, believe that it's okay? And the answer is yes. I mean, it, it just to use a simple, you know, when I was a kid growing up in the United States in the 1950s and 60s, we were taught that the communists were people who sort of sat around wringing their hands and sort of saying, gee, you know, it's fun to be evil. And the answer is that, that was, that's a cartoonish sort of, you know, description of, 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 of people who believed in Marxism or people who believed in socialism or whatever, um, they believed in that they believed that their economic system and their political system was actually was was a more morally desirable system than ours was, um, and so you know this idea that, that that people we disagree with, whether it's the communists or whether it's the whether it's Muslims or whether it's the Japanese, you know, what, this idea that the other sits around and says I'm evil and I enjoy being evil is cartoonish. It is simplistic. It is ridiculous. And and so my view is let's not get into judgments. Let's not get into you know. Let's get into analysis. I will discuss with anybody the issue of animal welfare reform. And I believe you know. I mean, I I think the arguments are there that animal welfare reform is theoretically problematic and practically it simply as a practical matter doesn't work because it can't work as an economic matter. Um, I'll argue that with anybody. Do I believe that the people who are arguing that with me are, you know, believe in, in good faith that animal welfare reform works? Yes. Are a lot of those people involved in organizations that make a living, you know, make money from promoting that idea? Yes. Do I think that that being involved in one of those organizations facilitates your buying into the mythology that animal welfare reform is a good thing? Yes. So, you know, the bottom line is single issue campaigns don't work because they can't work. They simply cannot work. And I would urge people to read that essay, um, why uh, veganism must be the baseline, because I do think the analogy with the car, the, the, the pleasure drivers works. The other essay um, that I wrote last week was about plants. There was a, in the, it, 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 it's just, it's sometimes you just don't know really where to begin. Um, the science section of the New York Times had an essay by, um, Carol Yoon, who is a was one of their science writers, and she's a very bright woman. She's she's very smart, and she had this essay in which she basically argued um, that uh, you know she had been a vegetarian for a couple of years, and that she stopped being a vegetarian because she really couldn't just you know f- figure out what the difference was between you know a, a cow and a carrot broccoli plant, you know, or carrot or whatever, and and um, you know the only people who make those sorts of arguments because everybody realizes that they're absurd. And um, and the only people who make those arguments are people who either you know 
eat animals and want to justify it, or they are not eating animals, but they want to go back to eating animals. I mean, I've never, I've never in my entire life ever had a vegan say to me, gee, you know, you know, I don't, I don't eat animals, but you know, I'm really worried about plants. Um, I've never had, had that sort of discussion with anyone before. If they do, uh, if they do, because I have, they go fruitarian. Have you heard of that? Yeah, well, yeah. You they know, don't go back to those, eating animals. They, right, they, but, they but eat fruit. And those, those, those people are – I can appreciate that there are people who say that, well, all eating involves killing if you don't get fruit from – that's fallen. But even the people I know who are fruitarians – they don't know. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, you unless you pick the unless you go and and get the fruit from the field yourself and pick it up off the ground. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, yeah. You, no, you, you don't go to, you don't go to the, you don't you don't even go to a farmer's market and say, "Excuse me, can I have a, you know, a bushel of fallen apples?" Yeah, um, yeah, you yeah. Know, unless you go into the field and sort of pick them off the ground, then you don't know where they came from. And um but but uh uh you know, so but but, but the the, the basic point I make in the in the, the the essay that I wrote in response to Carol Yoon was first of all um, animals are sentient and plants aren't that's a huge huge quali- qualitative difference it's not a quantitative distinction it's a qualitative distinction and that even if even in the unlikely event that plants were sentient and they were as sentient as animals that they were you know that they they were that there really was no difference between a carrot and a cow then we would still be morally obligated uh, then we would have moral obligations to do one of two things to starve ourselves to death or to eat plants because when you eat a steak, as Carol Ewan was saying that, you know, she was having dreams of, you know, of, of rare juicy steaks or whatever. Well, when she eats her rare juicy steaks, which apparently she now eats, uh, she's eating between 6 and 12 pounds of plant protein, to produce, depending on where that cow was raised. And, and so she's eating many more plants than um, – than, than, um, uh, I mean she's – even if you think plants are sentient, which is absurd, even if you believe that. Uh, and it's and that that is that is as, as absurd to me as saying that you know that animals aren't you know I mean, it's crazy. Even if you believe that, you're still obligated to eat plants because the the the, the conversion ratio, you know, the uh, the amount of of plant protein to produce animal protein, the ratios are so out of whack and so not one to one that it's not a question of should I eat this carrot or should I eat the cow or the chicken or whatever. I mean, you're talking about even with a chicken, you're talking about like, you know, every pound of chicken is I think two or three pounds of plant protein, depending on where the chickens are, how the chickens are raised. But you're talking about several pounds of plant protein. And, you know, and again, you know, the, 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 it makes no sense. It and, makes no sense. And, and if you care about plants, you supposedly care about the environment. So plant production takes up a lot less land anyway. I mean, it all points back to veganism. And so. oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, but her argument actually was not an environment. I mean, you know, it was it was you could you could cast it as an environmental argument, but she was actually making the argument that she could not, as a moral matter, distinguish morally between a cow and a carrot. Which I mean, you know, and again, if if we weren't dealing with people, if we weren't dealing, you know, I mean, the only people who say things like that are are people who either eat animals or want to eat animals and so you know a lot of animal advocates last week were all upset they were saying how can the new york times publish such garbage and the answer is what do you is that like a serious question who do you think works at the new york times like you have a lot of intellectual people who who probably you know go to Upper, you know, upscale markets and buy happy meat and ha- a lot of them buy happy meat and happy eggs. But these are people who, you know, are sort of unfortunately sort of smug um, elites who who consume animal products. And you know, there is nothing more that a smug elite who consumes animal products likes more than um, you know somebody who's very intelligent, who's got a PhD, and you know, is a science writer, uh, saying that well, you know there is no difference between carrot and a cow. As that way, that person can go home and eat the happy cow that night and say, geez, you know, not, you know, not only is there no difference between the carrot and the cow, but I buy the happy cow. I'm such a good person. And, and so, you know, I mean, so it's no surprise to me. I mean, that is, she, is she investigating how her carrots are produced? I mean, is she going and checking on the welfare of those carrots? I mean, you know. Exactly. It, it, no, the answer is she's not doing that because I don't, I, I don't really believe that she believes I think it. that Carol, I think that Carol Yoon is smart enough to understand that this is just nonsense. And I think the fact that she wrote that to me, 
to me, what that essay said was, I feel guilty as hell about eating animals. So I'm going to do this public confession and I'm going to tell you all that I'm having a hard time understanding. I had, I was, I was an anointed person. I didn't eat animals and then I couldn't tell the difference between a cow and a carrot and, and, and blah, 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 blah. It's a public, it's a, it's rather, it's a rather pathetic public confession sort of cathartic sort of thing. I don't know. There's a bunch of things going on there. But as I said, you know, the, the title of my essay was nothing to do with science because whatever the hell it had to do with, whatever that essay had to do with, it didn't have anything to do with science. It had to do with, it had to do with Carol Yoon's Carol transparent guilt about the fact that um, she's eating animal products and felt that she had to come up with this silly thing. But in any event, I want to thank you very much for having me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I went on so long, and I, I did, you know, want to say one thing in in conclusion. Um, uh, Anna and I are teaching the human rights animal rights class uh, again this semester, and again we've got a rather large number of students. And I have to tell you something. Um, it's terrific because um, I I um, I went to Rutgers. I accepted a position at Rutgers because of the diversity there. It is um, the newer campus of Rutgers University is one of the most diverse uh, campuses in the, in the United States, and to have the sort of diverse group of students I have discussing issues of human rights and animal rights and to have this happening semester after semester is just such an incredibly satisfying experience. And um, I have the world's best job. I teach wonderful students uh, uh, things that uh, I think are important and things which provoke them and stimulate them. And I hope in some, at some point um, in, the, in the near future we can talk about uh, education because I think it's really important to um, – and I have for many years now been been um, trying to educate uh, different communities. I mean, I, I spend actually very little time talking to the paradigmatic animal rights community. Um, I, I like to sort of try to get into other communities and into diverse communities and talk about this issue. And you know what I find, Elizabeth? I find there's an enormous willingness to discuss these issues and to take them seriously. Me and, too. Um, and it's funny how we keep saying that and everybody else that is not doing it that refuses to do it, says how difficult it is. I'm like, I say, just try it. Just try it for a week. You know, give it a month. Do it for a month. You know, stop telling people about, you know, happy meat and talk to them about veganism and just test it out. And you don't have to just, you don't have to just stick with, um, you know, you can, you can go into minority communities. I mean, this idea that veganism is elitist is an idea which is promoted by the large organizations, which basically, you know, uh, uh, characterize veganism as something that requires that you spend a lot of money on prepared foods and, you know, these fake burgers and fake this and fake that. And the reality is that, um, you know, minority communities need to be educated about veganism uh, as well for all sorts of reasons. Um, and, and um, you, you know, and, and they're very, very open. What I find is that um, I find that minority communities, when the vegan argument is presented to them in non-elitist ways, uh, they, I mean, they're provoked by it, and um, and I, uh, so I think this idea that you know that 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 veganism is only for a sort of small group of 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 elite people who can afford to buy the expensive prepared burgers. No, there's nothing more elitist than thinking that your palate pleasure or your sense of fashion justifies imposing suffering and death on another sentient being. There's nothing more elitist than that. But I think we've done a very bad job. Again, the movement, which has only the gear of reverse, has done a very, very bad job of reaching out to uh, other communities. And, and, um, and what I'm finding is that, um, those other communities are, uh, very, very much stimulated by provoked by, uh, the argument, the justice argument, uh, in favor of, of, uh, of, of abolition and animal rights. And, uh, and, and I, uh, that's why I'm so proud to be a member of the Rutgers Newark community, uh, because it is, uh, as I said, uh, one of the d most diverse campuses in the United States, uh, racially, socioeconomically. I mean, it's a very, very diverse place. And I think um, we need to make education about this something that is widespread, not just kept with uh, – I spend very little time talking to animal people. I mean, I, I like to talk to general audiences and I like to talk to people who um, – who are from different communities, but in any event, and you're doing that. You're doing that actually with Spanish-speaking communities, aren't you? Well, I have a podcast. Um, I'm in New Zealand, so um, 
I mean, I'm, an, I've, I'm now a qualified interpreter translator and I'm, I'm working at a call center. It's not a huge Spanish uh, community here, but if they're there, I will talk to them. But I'm, I'll, I'll talk to anybody, like you say. I mean, it's all, we're all, we're all people. Um, and, um, whatever, you know, it's the same, you know, one of the things I learned so much when you interviewed Ren, who's in Alice Springs, you interviewed Renata and Jeff. And one of the cool things that she said was she said that although she prefers for at this point in history or any point is leading up to this point for other Aboriginal people to talk to Aboriginal people about specific issues because of the terrible injustices raised upon them. She still said, you know, they don't have the monopoly on, you know, traditional animal use. It's not limited to these, you know, all societies and all cultures have a huge history of traditional animal use. It's not just the whatever indigenous people or da, 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 da. I mean, so that I learned, that was so useful to me because I met somebody um, who said that uh, when I was, I met somebody from, um, I met somebody from Ghana very briefly. He stopped, he saw a picture, he saw my poster and there was humans on there as well. And there was a little African baby. Be on, and he stopped and said, "Oh, look, look at that! And what's this about?" And and then he said, "Well, you know, in my country, you know, we hunt animals." And I said, "Yeah, so did they do that here too?" You know? And he's like, "Oh, yeah, you're right." I'm like, "Yeah, we hunt them too." I said, "It's not just in you know." So it is not limited to cultures and things. So people need to get beyond that. And I'm not making a huge amount of money. And it's very rare that you're going to see me eating a fake burger. But I certainly eat very well. And I certainly, my health has certainly improved. And I certainly am doing very well um, financial-wise on on my budget with this vegan diet. So yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, And actually, Paula Aldana in Guatemala has spoken about how um, the people there um, are... um, there's a lot of beautiful fresh fruit and grains and and things, but they're being told that in order to be socially, um, what's the word, um, forward or moving forward, you you eat the animal products and you eat the, you drink the milk and you do this and that. That's what you're supposed to do to be sort of to to be progressive. And so it's sort of trying to take them well, away from animal products are are connected with socioeconomic status. And so we think, well, the wealthier we are, the more meat we eat, we should be eating. And that, you know, that again, you know, uh, to the extent that uh, people are aspiring to eat more animal products because they connect it with economic success. It's really sort of important to have discussions about how that's really, um, I mean, that can counter, that can counter this whole veganism is for rich people argument. It's sort of like, what are you talking about? You know, I mean, history has shown that vegetables are cheaper I mean, that's yeah, no, the, exactly. So, pff, what is going on here? You know, I, I think a lot of a lot of the idea of what what the 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 vegan movement is is uh, based on is comes from picking up, you know, some of these magazines that have you know have your twenty five thousand dollar vegan wedding in Hawaii and that right. sort of stuff. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and, and 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 really, I mean, you know, and 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 all the celebritization, you know, the fact that it's all. Con- celebrities and stuff um i think a lot of that conveys the idea that it's it's um very much uh you know an elite uh a white a middle class or middle class you know sort of fad and i think that it's important to deal with that and uh, that's one and 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 it's at some point we'll talk more because i i do want to talk about some of some of the programs that uh, that that i'm thinking of uh, of doing uh, in new jersey that that will focus on um on, on other other communities then uh, we're doing them now to some degree in any event all right well thank you very much thank you and um i look forward to talking with you again and and uh regards to all of my friends in new zealand and uh in in that part of the world and um and thank you very much thank you so much for coming on again gary I look forward to having you on again soon take care